You're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Pharaoh. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Padawan Perspective, where we are going to talk about the Rebels television show, as well as everything that's going on in Star Wars fandom. And I'd like to introduce our host, Tay McJade. Hey. Mark. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Master Xanite. Hi. I, of course, am Barrett. And we have a special guest on our show today. Let's say hi to Glenn, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to be special. And this is a special podcast. We're going to say that this is not the first podcast, but this is like podcast zero. You know how they do in comics where they have the first edition of of something, but they always kind of have like a prelude comic where it's like edition zero. That's kind of what this podcast is, Edition Zero. We're going to introduce you to the host. We're going to be telling you a little bit about what we're going to be retrospecting and some news going forward about when the very first podcast is going to be released. We know that Rebels is going to be premiering September 24th, so the podcast will be coming out shortly after that. Let's talk about what we're going to be doing here, Mark. What are we going to be doing here on the, pod, on the Padawan Perspective? We're going to be getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Now, we're going to be talking about Star Wars from a multi-generational point of view, focusing on, of course, the Padawan. Uh, we've got Taylor on here. We're going to have Pharaoh on here. Gavin, my son, he'll occasionally come on here. We're also going to have voices that you may or may not have heard from Rebels Roundtable coming on. Of course, we've got like special guests like Glenn today. Uh, we're going to be talking about you know the state of Star Wars on this episode, as well as, like you said, getting to meet each of uh, the hosts, where they've been, where their fandom's coming from, uh, talk about the launching of the new canon, these guys' opinions on that, and eventually we'll talk about things like Rebels and the Freemaker show uh, and things of that nature. A uh, little kid's commentary slash touch of cynicism or snark? I don't know. Baron, what do you think? More snark? Less cynicism? I don't know. I'm hoping to get a lot of snark, especially from the Padawans, because the Padawans we kind of know now are more war Padawans, right? I like to consider Master Xanite a war Padawan. Maybe they could come up with a perspective on something that we can't see, you know, because sometimes we see something and it's like, oh, that's very cool, you know, because maybe we are connecting it somehow to an old way we used to feel about Star Wars. Well, sometimes the Padawans don't have that connection. So something that they think is cool, we may not see it that way. To get their perspective on the Star Wars fandom now is that's what this podcast is going to be about. Let's jump right into podcast number zero. 
the state of Star Wars with the new films that have come out and the new ones that are coming out. Glenn, let's start with you. Did you see Episode 7? I did see Episode 7. I saw it, I think, five or six times in the, in the theaters. Five, um, five or six times. So you have a good understanding of what that movie's about. What was your thoughts toward that movie, considering all the hype and everything like that? I really, I like the movie. Um, I I see how some people thought it was a little bit too similar to Star Wars. There were a lot of familiar beats, but it, all those beats were slightly off key. They they switched lots of things around, and a lot of things they advanced. Like Han Solo is in the same spot where he says, "I don't believe in hokey religions." You know, nothing beats a good blaster to your side. It's the same spot in Millennium Falcon where he says, "It's true. It's all true." And it's really sort of a big advancement of 30 years off in the future from where they were at the end of the Return of the Jedi. So I really liked that regard. I would have really liked to not have a super weapon. Uh, and I especially did not like the super weapon of Starkiller based. It was really uh, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, the not... extra big Death Star. They even say it's just an extra big Death Star. <laughs> well, it's sort of how you're capturing the power of a sun. What they used in the novelization uh, was a lot better, uh, using sort of like dark matter or something like that. Stars have gravity, and if you <laughs> suck out, the, I mean, the only thing that's... that's in, and it wasn't even clear that at the end the planet imploded. It didn't explode. It imploded and became a star, but that didn't really even make that very clear. It was like fusion happens because it's falling in on yeah. itself, self, self, self. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When Disney took over, they did a kind of like a soft reboot within continuity, meaning that the Force is something totally different now than what we what we seem the Force is. It's kind of like if you, as long as you can think about it hard enough, you can make the Force do whatever you want it to do without kind of having to be trained. And, you know, there was always the talk about this awakening and everything, and I'm sure we're going to find out more about that with the further movies, but I can see your point, Glenn, on how some of the things are not explained. You kind of just have to go with it. I, I kind of agree with you as a fan who was hyped up about this and hyped up about that it was not going to be the prequels, that it looked like it was going to actually feel and look more like the original trilogy. And I kind of feel it does. I feel the same. I feel it really does feel more like the original trilogy than it does like the prequel trilogy. And was it a little lazy to have another big Death Star, but just have it kind of work a different way? You know, that could be debated. What do you guys think about the state of Star Wars now? Now that we're, we've, we've got Episode 7 out the way and we kind of get a feel of what is going to be coming along the way, now we're going to get hit with Rogue One. And Rogue One, that's coming up in December, is to me, feels a lot more like the original trilogy than even Episode Seven tried to do. So well, it has to. It has to, right? Because it leads up to Episode Four. So what do you guys feel about the state of the movies now? Now that we've got our first one out the way and we know what's coming up, and we know Episode Nine's coming up, or excuse me, Episode Eight is coming up, what do you guys feel about the state of the movies now? Like You saw episodes, the first episodes, four through six, which were, of course, the original trilogy, and now you saw the prequel trilogy episodes, which is one through three, which had a whole totally different feel of what the Jedi were and midichlorians and all that. And now that we're going to get into the third trilogy of films, I'm sure the third trilogy is going to kind of have that same feel that we got from episode seven, meaning a lot of action, 
maybe more character development. You know, we got introduced to Ray and Finn and Poe. Poe. And Poe. And Kylo. And Kylo, you know, Darth Tantrum. So we got introduced to all these new characters. Can't forget Captain Phasma. (laughs) Oh, the... Captain Phasma gave it up quicker than any than anybody I've ever seen on on an episode of Cops. I mean, hey, she was at least in the film. I'm like Constable Zuvio, so I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I was like, Gwendolyn Christie at least kind of put up a little a fight for something. She gives up all the secrets and then she gets thrown into a trash compactor. So let's hope that Captain Phasma has a better a better role in in episode eight. But I think that episode eight, and episode nine is kind of going to have the same feel as episode seven i think it's a really good mix of the original trilogy and something new because it definitely doesn't feel like the prequel trilogy but it has enough original trilogy moments and of course you know characters you know we still have leia and chewbacca and r2 and c3po so just having those in there will will bring us back to the original trilogy but as far as the feel of it goes, is it, is it, should it be a little darker? Do you feel the movie should be a little darker? I, I feel like it should just like still continue with the action and stuff like it did with episode seven. My opinion for episode seven, I honestly really liked it. Like it all made more sense to me, but it did have those moments where that it connected to the other trilogy and I didn't kind of understand it and we understood it more than uh, some other people would understand it. So, like, the flashback scenes made no sense whatsoever to you? I I personally think that they should, like, make it a little bit darker, but, you know, still kind of keep the funness because it's Disney. You know, if they're going to keep it fun, they're going to just end up making it too fun or whatever. I think they should just make it in the state of Star Wars at the original trilogy. And that's the thing about Disney, is Disney can really go both ways, right? You get... You get some Disney movies that are just happy-go-lucky and, you know, we're all just walking through a forest. And then you get the Disney movies where they kill off the parents a lot. You know, there's a lot of Disney. everyone. Yeah, they kill a lot of people in Disney movies. They have no problem killing people who do not deserve to be killed. Like in Pocahontas. Frozen, the parasite. Every movie. Trust me. The Frozen sing-along at uh, Hollywood Studios, they make a joke about when, when Elsa and Anna's parents die they make a joke about how it's like in bambi and then you know they they roll off like four or five different films like it's a whole thing you know disney kills off parents all the time and here of course we have ray who we have mysterious parents who we hopefully will learn who they are but she's sort of an orphan kind of she's at least abandoned finn doesn't know who his parents are either so there's sort of a lot of the uh, lack of parental guidance and of course kylo ren knows who his parents are and he killed one of them so (laughs) We have one parent that we know who the parent is so far. Hopefully we'll get more parents and find out. I, I presume we'll find out that, that Luke is Ray's father. You know, they, they kill parents a lot in Disney. You think, you think Luke is, is Ray's father, huh? I mean, if he's not, they've basically been lying to us because everything points to it. Especially the, the, the thing that most points to it, although of course not in the film, is the, the teaser trailer they showed at Celebration. Because that teaser makes no sense whatsoever if Luke is not Ray's father. You know, I because saw that teaser. What, what, what was the celebration? At, at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim, the uh-huh. teaser where they had, you know, the, the Chewie were home at the end. Yes. But it has the uh, the voiceover of, of Luke Skywalker saying, the Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. You have that power too. Now, of course, he couldn't possibly be saying that to Kylo, right? 
that doesn't make any sense for him to say that to Kylo. Kylo knows who he is. Kylo knows who his grandfather is. Well, eventually, I guess he finds out in the Leia book, Bloodline. At that point, he sort of finds out. No one, Luke isn't going to be telling him that. He knows that he has Force powers. Rey has no idea where the heck she has this power from. In Return of the Jedi, she says, you have that power too, telling Leia she has it. It's a nice play on that. But it has to be talking about Rey because it doesn't make sense otherwise. And I mean, I know you can tease things and make things seem like, you know, one scene leads into another scene in the trailer when it totally doesn't. That teaser makes no sense without that being true. And basically everything else kind of points to it being, you know, it's Luke's lightsaber. You know, they don't, you know, they, they, they may have mentioned that it was Anakin's lightsaber before that, but I don't think they really do. They say it's Luke's lightsaber. I'm kind of curious how um, Kylo knows what it looks like. Maybe. I think, you know, it's got to be raised loose. I mean, her, her mother could be anybody. You know, that makes a good point. They kind of dropped that whole thing. I remember them saying that. I remember that voiceover and how big of a deal it was to have that voiceover because I think they used Luke's original lines and then they had Hamill record some new lines for that. And then they just totally dropped that. So that's, that's absolutely true. And there was another clue to Ray's parentage before the movie came out when Disney had said that they were going to do all these trilogies, that the first trilogy was going to be a continuation of the Skywalker saga. Do you remember they said that? And then they kind of let that one go away. So I don't think that it always was supposed to be a secret of whose race parents were. I think that was maybe something like that they contrived during the production, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I think Ray's a Skywalker, too. May, uh, maybe Ray is like... Luke's sister. I don't know if that makes sense because uh, Luke said it was in his family and his sister has it and all that. So maybe that... Um, like a clone that. of his sister? Well, his sister or his parents are sort of dead or malformed, so... <laughs> oh. they, they had the Luke clone where he had the extra use, so this would be Leia. Now, what do you guys think about Rogue One coming up? Let's, let's switch over to Rogue One because let's talk about some parents. It seems like the only good parent is going to be Jen Erso's parents because we just got a preview of Rogue One and we know that Jen Erso gets a message from her father. And so that seems like to be the only parent out there in the Star Wars universe right now who's actually trying to help their child. <laughs> well, I, I don't know that we know that. I think that he's sort of... Uh... The, the the father who left the family and went away to do stuff, and that they're sort of... She got left on her own, which is why she's been on the street since she was, what, 15 or whatever, I think they say. But she's been on her own because her father went away and left her. And we'll see if that plays, you know... If she pulls her father to the good side or, or if she has any pull in that way or whatever, how they use that family dynamic. I'll hopefully, I guess, view it in a, in a very different way because there'll be no force uh, involved in that. So we'll... we'll see what happens there we'll see if there's no force now tay did you get to see the trailer for rogue one we're watching it right now <laughs> did you get to see the trailer for rogue one uh, of course yeah now after seeing the trailer what did you think about the trailer did it excite you more than it excited you when you saw the trailer for episode seven did it excite you less did you recognize more things in the trailer for Rogue One, still no Padawans that we know of. I think um, the Rogue One trailer excited me uh, more than the Episode 7 trailer. Because in the Rogue One trailer, throughout the whole trailer is like a siren going off. So that means something's happening. You know, but uh, through the Episode 1 trailer, there's really nothing happening besides they're explaining stuff. 
the episode seven one. Oh yeah, the yeah. episode seven one. Uh huh. Yeah, because it has that. You know, like it's time for war. That's going on through that trailer. You're right. And everyone's like rushing through the halls, and everyone's rushing through the trailer. So it's definitely a more exciting trailer for Rogue One for what I'm hearing from you, Masters and I, than actually Episode 7. Because Episode 7 showed a lot of Ray and a lot of BB-8. Well, they were trying to very much keep things secret and not show beyond the first 30 minutes of the movie. I mean, I guess they showed the, you know Kylo Ren lighting the lightsaber, but outside of that, most everything was ended with the Chewie were home and not while I was before that. Right, and Ren's lightsaber lighting wasn't even Still, in the film. I mean, that's what, yeah reaching out of the lightsaber, the angle of when Kylo ignited the lightsaber. Uh, he had his mask on in the trailer when he ignites it in the forest. And yet when that scene plays out, he's already whipped the mask off by that point. You know, what's fun. It's always great to find out what they've used for the promotional material to see what's actually in the movie. Because we were at Comic-Con when they, when they at the episode seven panel on Hall H and they showed some images, some concept images, and a little bit of, of audio. And they played a little audio of Rogue One. And one of the concept images, which you probably know, shows, I think it's the U-Wing, or, or a new ship. And like some rebel troopers are running off the ship. And it's kind of like this darker green motif to it. And then they played the kind of like the band of brothers behind it, like... You guys, this and explosions and bah, 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 and it was going to be this big war movie, you know. And I wonder how much of that concept is actually going to make it into Rogue One because when I looked at the preview, I saw stormtroopers. You know, I saw these kind of troopers and shore troopers. And I am a guy who loves to collect his armor. I mean, I love anything stormtrooper, buckethead. And we're getting death troopers in this. We're getting shore troopers in this. We're getting the classic looks like scout troopers and stormtroopers, and and we're getting you know who other what other no kind of troopers. But it seems to me like these troopers are really going to look like a real army, and we're actually going to get a real army this time of troopers. Something that goes back to the Clone Wars, where we've seen the clone army in in action all the time. I think here we're going to see armies of stormtroopers because even in Episode Seven, we saw a few battalions, but I think we're going to see armies of stormtroopers in this one and i really think that rogue one is going to be a much better movie than episode seven it's going to use the real death star the actual death star something that we can agree with that we want you know we didn't want some fake star killer based death star we want the real death star and we're going to actually find out how the plans get stolen and i think that's going to be a really really great movie and I, I am more excited about seeing Rogue One than I am than I was about seeing episode seven, I think. Yeah, Jen Urso, she's a powerful figure. Uh -huh. I think that that's one of the things for me and her uh that's really going to be exciting for us as a as a father and daughter going to see this movie together, watching a character who yeah, like you had said before, it does look like the father's trying to possibly redeem himself or maybe the family. Um uh, and maybe that I don't get the feeling that he's reaching out necessarily to her, but he's reaching out to the rebellion and the rebellion's going to use her as a way to bring about the redemption he's seeking by giving up whatever information he has. But I think the fact that we've got a female lead is something that 
I don't know. I mean, we went and see, saw the Ghostbuster movie this year, and that was a movie I wasn't expecting to enjoy, and we really enjoyed it a lot. So that, I think, will be something that, that will be fun to do, father and daughter. Um, you don't know much about Jin or so, though, do you? No, to me, it was just like a whole lot of new characters, like people I haven't seen yet, and so I'm excited to watch it. So you're just, you're just generally curious so yes. far. Like, now, like, you're going to get to watch these characters, you're going to get hooked on them, and Lord knows if we'll ever see them ever again. Well, so most of them ought to die. <laughs> they should all die. Uh, I mean, you know, the blind, you know, some of them could have survived, but... Well, no, the they have part... to all die, because Leia says to Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. She, that's it. They're all dead. Well, I mean, somebody, one, some of them could not actually be there at the very end. They've actually stolen the plans. You know, they get you know, lost in an escape pod or something. You know, it definitely ratchets up Leia's intensity of the beginning of A New Hope. I mean, if the entire Rogue One ensemble gets wiped out in the film because Vader and co. are just that bad act, and they, you know, show up, annihilate everybody, wipe them all out, and then we see Leia get captured. It's just like, uh, you know, if you've never seen A New Hope before and you're going from this film into that one, I think it would actually add to the intensity of the opening of A New Hope. Oh, yeah. And, and add to the badassery of Leia when she finally sees Vader and she talks about his foul stench. You know, after we see him massacre a few people and she's talking, you know, smack, it makes her look a little more badass and, as far as I'm concerned. You know, we just had episode seven. We have the big female hero. She's going to continue to be the hero. Now we have Jen Erso, who is obviously the lead of this movie, the big female lead. Powerful female heroes out there who's, who are taking Star Wars to new heights. How do you feel about that? Um, well, I feel like that because they're bringing all these new uh, all these new like female characters and stuff. Are they trying to pander to you? Which means that they're just... They're, do you think that they're trying to make real heroes out of these women or do you think they're just trying to make it so more women will watch the star wars movies and stuff like that they're trying to even it out because like the previous star wars movies like all the jedis and stuff were like all male to, there was like only a few that i know of shakti ahsoka yeah and there was like only a couple of them like a couple of the ones that my father said Lumi I, master luminary barris's master yeah i don't know i don't and none of them have lines in the film. See, what's, what sucked for her was, like, Gavin would get all these clones. And she would get these six figures. And I could find an extra Echo. You know, there was always an extra Echo or an extra Heavy or whoever when an arm broke or something. But when these little frail little Jedi Masters and their apprentices would lose an arm at the elbow and stuff, there was nothing I could do. So eventually she was just like, ah, I'm over it, you know? We have... Uh... Padme and uh, she lost her arm. It kept on irritating the crap out of me because every time I went to go play with her, she didn't have like half of her arm. So I was all like, I don't want to play anymore because it would just drive me crazy every single time. So how do you like the five points of articulation figures? Yeah, let's get into that. That's a good question. And you know, I just want to say, Glenn, that you made a very good point a while ago that the female Jedis that she's talking about didn't have any lines in the movies. And so who cares about those figures, right? Now, Rey is the star. We like her figures. In fact, if you listened over at MarveliciousToys.com, you heard that Justin, you know, had gotten in a, a little of the pickle by getting a, a Rey figure out early. But now you're right. I finally Glenn. got that. 
Oh, you finally did. Is it was it worth yeah. the, the hustle and bustle? Well, I was happy to finally have it. It took me like, I think it was like this month. So, <laughs> uh, and he found it what in December or something. So, uh, yeah, that was a little bit. Uh, they're not getting the figures out there. Yeah, I haven't opened any of them, so I can't really. Say. It's the only one I have opened. I think is Chopper, and that's because it just fell off the uh, packaging. So, uh, and he doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah, because he only has what uh, three points of articulation. So let's get into that five points of articulation real quick. What do you guys think about that? Because it wasn't too long ago where all of the Star Wars figures had knee joints, elbow joints, shoulder joints, head move side to side. Now we're getting these five points of articulation. Uh, how do you feel about that, Master Xanite? Five points, would that be better or worse than the ones that we had before? Well, you know, the five points of articulation has articulation in the shoulder, so you, the arms go up and down. On both sides, they have articulation in the hips, so the hips go up and down, and the head goes side to side. And that's about it. So your arms don't bend, your ankles don't bend, your knees don't bend. It's just kind of straight up and down. I, I feel that they like should add more points of articulation, if anything, because all that means is more flexibility and more you know poses to display your, your, your toy in. Do you know how much an action figure costs, a five-point of articulation action figure costs? We haven't bought any in a little while we I, you know we're kind of selective because of the five point but let me ask you masks and i do you know exactly how much a five point of articulation figure costs right now um i'm assuming around 15 dollars. how much would they cost if you go to some stores they're close to 15 dollars. okay mcjade do you know how much a five point of articulation figure costs right now uh, <laughs> i'm gonna take a wild guess and about like 10 bucks i don't know honestly <laughs> If you can find one for ten dollars, you're doing pretty good, because they're around what eleven dollars? Eleven, twelve, depending on the store. Uh, yeah. You just you really? just found Ray. How much was it, Flynn? At most ten, I think it was at Walmart. I I don't remember. I, uh, actually, no, I think it was at Target. It was like it was like ten. I mean, you know, the five points or less. You know, I found the Walmart Ray more articulated at least, uh, and it was like thirteen, I think. Yeah, so how much of the Black Series, because they do have a super articulated series out there, which is the Black Series, and that has, you know, 14 points of articulation, a lot of articulation, probably more than 14, but it has a lot. You can put them in any, basically any pose that you want to. And those are going for, what, $15? Easy? Uh, you're looking around 19.99 to 20 No, no. No, the three and a three quarter. The three and three quarter inch, not the six. Quarters. Inch. Oh, see, I've been going with the bigger size of late. Well, there only are like twelve of twelve figures, I think, in the the Walmart line so far. Anyway, let's say that it costs about fifteen dollars for that one, right? Only a few years ago, all of the Clone Wars figures, all of them had the same, pretty much the same articulation as the quote unquote black figures. The only thing that really separated those figures from the black figures a while ago was that the black figures had a little bit more detail. Maybe the paint application was better. Maybe a few more. I wouldn't even say a few more accessories. The Clone Wars figures came with a lot of accessories with dice and, and stands and what have you. And those figures were about $10. Maybe less than $10. I remember if you listen to Star Wars Action News, Arnie was had a poll and he was asking, what, when are you going to stop? What is the highest price you would pay? And I remember my answer was $10. At $10, I'm not buying any more figures. It was ridiculous. Now we're paying $12, up to $12 for five points of articulation, $15 to $17 for 
good articulation. And then for the six inches, we're paying $20 or more. Can this keep going on? I mean, even if Rogue One is a blockbuster out the door and episode eight is a blockbuster and we find that Snoke is Ray's parents or whatever and they give us a whole bunch of action figures, are you willing to pay that price for five points of articulation? Is it even fun for you, Master Xanite and Tay, to even play with a figure that only has five points of articulation? Yeah, it, well, it depends on who it is. There's a lot of, like, action figures that I think are cool, and then there's some that I'm all like, yeah, no, I don't want to play with that and stuff. But then there's some that, like, I love so much that I don't even want to touch because I love it so much. Yeah, I agree. It depends on who it is, right? If you have a really cool... Captain Phasma five point of articulation figure. I think I even got was going to get that one, you know, because of the shiny metal and stuff like that. But then you get, you know, Constable Zuvio. I don't th I don't think I know anybody personally who bought that one except for maybe Arnie, because he's a completist. Well, I think it kind of would be fun to play with at times because with less articulation means you can only walk him around like a robot, make him look side to side whoever the character is so I, I don't think it's as fun you don't have as much freedom with when you pose it or like when you play with it in general you just you can't do much with five articulation but if you have 10 articulation you can make them do a lot of things and a lot of poses and whoever the character is or higher you know my 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 problem with the five point of articulation is that you cannot bend its knees so they never fit in the vehicles that's the one thing that hasbro always comes through with is really cool vehicles but if you have a five point of articulation figure and the knees don't bend, you cannot fit him in the vehicle. Poe Dameron, he did not fit in his X-Wing. He's kind of like sitting outside the X-Wing like R2 on the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or you get those ones where the paint jobs are really bad. My Poe Dameron in the Black Series 6 inch line, he, he looks more like the king beyond the wall from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I always hate when you open up one of them. And I think that's that's where Taylor's coming from because I, I have so many open that I've had a lot of times where I'll open one, I had high hopes for it, and I can't get it to stand up. So I don't talk about the points of articulation, but she's watched the frustration of lack of uh, points of articulation in action. Uh, or you'll get some of them, like, you know, I also collect the Marvel Legends lines, which are very similar to them. And you'll get some that the balance is just not right. There's just no way you're going to get them to stand up. You got to lean them against a wall. And it just sometimes when you get a character that's that disappointing, you're just like, I should have just left him in the packaging. Like I've got a bunch of them right here on the side of the wall here. I've got uh, the Revan fan choice. I've got Rex from Rebels. Uh, I've got uh, General Grievous pre-cyborg. I don't dare open them because they're just too cool for school. When my dad is uh, putting it up and stuff and he has to get it all perfect and then like it'll just fall over or one of us will knock it over by accident and he'll freak out because <laughs> he can't get it back into the right place. And so like we're all like, we're sorry, but like it happens. And First world struggles. My dad uh, came home when I was babysitting my little sister Jaina and we we were home we were home and stuff and then all of a sudden like some of the action figures just like fell and it freaked us out because we didn't know what was going on and then when my dad came home he flipped out on us and we were all like we didn't do anything we've been sitting on the couch all day really random because we got blamed for something that we didn't do <laughs> and so like we were all like 
Was it Augusta Wynn? What happened? Cause it was a ghost. <laughs> they fell, quote unquote. I'm sure Master Yoda would have bought that too uh, during uh, practice. Do you children not? <laughs> <laughs> Let's segue into what we're going to be talking about when Rebels premieres September 24th. We all yeah. saw that we are going to be introduced to Grand Admiral Thrawn. Who is getting an action figure? It's a five-point of articulation action figure, and I'm buying three of them. <laughs> um, but Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to be the big one of the big baddies. You know, last season was Darth Vader doing his own thing. Uh, I think it it affect, I think it's going to affect Vader more than the Emperor knows that he had to fight Ahsoka. So we're going to get Grand Admiral Thrawn. And Grand Admiral Thrawn was introduced into what is formerly called the Expanded Universe, but has now been officially rebranded as the Legends canon or Legends continuity. What, are the, what do you guys think about old books becoming their own universe and having that canon launch and then this new canon that's launching? What do you, what do you guys think about that? Well, I haven't really read any of the books it's all read to you yeah which ones have had been read to you so i read her the jason and jana solo books when they were little kids and which ones are those that was the hair to the um, jedi young jedi, and young jedi knights with jason and jane young jedi um knights. you know I did with with i got all the anakin books i read all six of them to them the jason and jana ones i think there's like 15 altogether, something like that and I got to the 11th book, and then they finally, they were doing gymnastics and stuff, and, and we're kind of just like, ah, Dad, we're just over it. And I think for, for Taylor, that's the weird thing. Like, she's not really versed in the books, but I've always been. I've been the defender of the EU. I've named, you know, her middle name is Jade after Mara Jade, who was introduced in the same book as Grand Admiral Thrawn from Legends. Uh, Gavin was named partially after Gavin Darklighter, a character from Legends. And, of course, my youngest is Jaina Sophia because Sophia is so close to Solo. Uh, and, and so, you know, all my kids were named after Legends characters, and this all happened before Disney bought the brand. So for Taylor, watching her dad's mind melt... April 25th, 2014 was something <laughs> to behold, I'm sure, because I've been struggling with that for a while. I mean, you know, the stories I have grown to love the most are the ones that were wiped completely clean for these new films, which I also love. Uh, so I'm in a weird place and it, it's odd for her because I think I'm handling it well compared to most people that would be in my position. Uh, you know, I should be like a doom and gloom and light, light it all with a match and, and be throwing F-bombs around at a mouse. But I'm not. I'm enjoying it. The stuff. I mean, I've always been a Disney fan. I've, loved, I've liked what Disney's done with the Marvel franchise. I liked what Disney did with Tron. I mean, I've been a Disney fan for a long time, all the way back to Snow White. So, so I've always had that openness to it. So she's got that kind of going for her. Uh, but... Don't let me say it all for you. I mean, what's your opinions on your wacko dad? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Master Zanite, I wanted to ask you, because we have read a couple books, not all the way through. I think we started a few, like Lords of the Sith, uh, The Rise of Darth Vader. I think we finished that one all the way through. And we just picked up the first book in the Thrawn trilogy, because I wanted to read that over with Pharaoh before the September 24th premiere of season three of Rebels. 
and we get to see Thrawn because I want Pharaoh to be familiar with the character because in 1994 is when I started reading these books and I was still in high school and um, they really brought me back into Star Wars for that. I mean, there was a big gap between Return of the Jedi and the Thrawn trilogy books. I think that they did have a book here or there for Star Wars, but nothing was like Timothy Zahn. It really brought me back into the fandom. I mean, 17, 18 years old, and you have no Star Wars content, really, for about 10, 15 years. They still had the action figures, but no 17-year-old at that time, where I was hanging out with, was buying Star Wars action figures, especially those big buff ones. I was able to immerse myself in the Thrawn trilogy, and I was trying, I'm was i trying to get that to come together with Master Zanai here. So we've actually read the first chapter last night of the Thrawn trilogy, which is a great chapter. It really introduces the character. He's already talking about learning the art of his enemies, and we're going to continue. As far as I'm concerned about the legends being called legends and not the expanded universe, man... That was a slap in the face. But you know, you kind of saw it coming. Do you remember there was that big, uh, that big to-do when Karen Travis had wrote, written those Order 66 books, those Mandalorian books, and had built up the Mandalorian language and built up how the clones were trained. And then Filoni came through and really kind of made them pacifists that really didn't go along with how Karen Travis had made this amazing universe. And you had Lucas then kind of saying that, oh, well, only really the films and now the Clone Wars are canon. The other things are really not canon. And then you had the A canon, B canon, all these different canons. So this Legends thing, I think, was a long time coming. And when Disney finally bought it, they just kind of implemented an idea, I think, that has kind of always been there. Yeah, it was a good thing. I, I was I was relieved. You know, I've often, like I said, I've been a huge fan of Legends. There were things with the Force, especially, that Legends took liberties with that didn't quite fit. Especially when the New Jedi Order came around. There was a character named uh, Viger or Viger, uh, depends on how you want to say her name. And she was teaching Jason Solo that there was no dark side to the Force. And that was, like, huge across fandom at the time. And people were, were angry about it. They're like, no, that's not the way the Force was. And by the end of the series and the next series that came along, what she had introduced to Luke and his new Jedi Order, they realized was it had come full circle. It was like she was basically saying that the Force was inherently natural and that the darkness, was it wasn't there. It was what people brought to it. But Luke also knew through experience that once people brought darkness to a place, things could be tainted. And that by a place being tainted, that place could actually corrupt you. So the dark side could come and corrupt you. It could be that evil, bad, that, that dark side that Lucas talked about. And therefore, it was it was there. There was a dark side, even though what Verger was trying to say was, you know, the Force was inherently light, although she went about it in a completely whacked way. So having that freedom to be able to explore the story still in that new direction was something I was like, oh, cool, we're not beholden to what came before, because I was a fan of the Mandalorian stuff that Karen Travis had done, and then there you're sitting at, you're watching the Clone Wars happen, and you're like, oh, well, 
okay, we could just say this is one section of the planet that's blown up. That's okay. That's not a big deal. And then out comes this planetary guide for Clone Wars Season 3 or whatever. And you're like, yeah, the whole world Mandalore was desolated in a war. This is what it all looks like now. You're like, really? Are you Really? You had to do that? Like, And so suddenly now we're retconning it. It all has to be like that because this new show that George Lucas is involved with. I'm using air quotes here. Uh, because George was involved, it's now trumping this and it has to be shoved aside. And so you had that ability to say, you know, now we can pick and choose what stories to go forward with. Like, we have Dark Disciple, which gives us the final story for, say, Asajj Ventress's character. You know, we have, we're still waiting to see if we get a final story for uh, Ahsoka. Uh, Darth Maul, we got some of his story, but that was the last of the comics that fell in the bridge between the two. So you have that that quasi world between the two, but they didn't continue Legends. And I think that's the thing that made it bittersweet for me. You know, if, it, if they'd have continued, like even gave us like one book a year, I'd have been like, this was the perfect thing they could have done. But they put it on hold and that makes it very bittersweet. What do you mean? Like they're not going to give us like Darth Talon? They're not going to give us a, a ending to like Darth Talon and stuff no, like that. No, you're not going to see that. No Darth Talon, no Jaden Core. Uh, we're never going to see Alana's Alana uh, Solo's kids. We're never going to find out if Cole and Nat Skywalker are Luke's grandchildren or great grandchildren uh, or great great grandchildren. Or it's all just a lie. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's all it's all legends now. I mean, I think there was a time where they could have they put stuff on hold. When, you know, after at uh, Celebration 6, I think it was, they announced the, the Jaina Solo trilogy. And it never really, uh, I talked to uh, Christy Golden. She was like, it never got like past the outline status. She never started writing it because it was on hold. And, uh, you know, they could have let her write one book or two books and sort of to do something. And said, we just had this huge gap of like, I don't know how, but how, infrequent the books became but maybe one a year but to get where we just got like crucible and then nothing and i think there was time that they could have put out a couple books to close out legends in a reasonable way it can't fit with the films i mean they've said since you know 1994 if they ever continue the movies it's not thrawn it's not you know what timothy zahn wrote it's not going to be the dark empire that's not it that's not what's going to happen and it just sort of made it seem like right before they actually announced episode seven, they really made it seem like that last year it never was going to happen, and you were safe. This is this is going to this is going to be the only story we're going to get. And then they sort of slapped your face and said, "Nope, that's not it. We're going to put out a new story." And you know they, they could have handled it a lot better. I think they really uh, could have maybe clarified it a lot earlier or reclarified and said, you know, this is just our our continuity. It's not. The canon. I I don't know why at Lucasfilm they started and created these levels that they called like N canon and A canon and T canon or whatever because that just confused. Yeah, the it issue. was just it was only ever intended for tracking purposes and fans right. took it to a whole different level. I mean, I even were one at a long time thought each one was its own universe. Like I always felt like the expanded universe was basically C level canon, which was basically you know the films plus everything that fell in C canon. Which worked because C Cannon kept itself like an alternate universe, but it really wasn't. And so, yeah, that's the aspect of when they made Legends. At least they finally acknowledged it for what it was as they put it down to rest. All. <laughs> but I think what's funny is, like, like, you know, I had a panic about it. Me and a bunch of other friends had a panic about it. But, like, 
like Taylor, like it, it doesn't even affect her that much. Like she doesn't, I mean, I mean, the fact that Mara Jade is a character she's named after is no longer canon. She's like, yeah, yeah don't, it doesn't doesn't uh, conflict her. At all. She's not even emotionally stuck. I'm like <laughs> racking my brain, and she's just like, "Dad, get over it. Come on." Divergent series. Whole canon thing never really bothered me. Even the little inconsistencies that they have, I always thought it was. You know, I think we were spoiled as Star Wars fans. We had this one beautiful continuity. You know that we could plug things in. You know, right here and right there. And I think we were kind of spoiled with that. And I think that's a lot to do. And even though they had inconsistencies, I always just kind of blew it off as you have an eyewitness account, you know, two people's eyewitness accounts is going to be a little different. So when they told the story of like an Ewok village and they referenced it in another book, but it was just a little different or kind of how they retcon the Kyber crystals and stuff. It was just kind of like different accounts of the same story, which are basically the same, even though a little inconsistent. So it never really bothered me. But actually, when they made everything the Legends, I thought that was a very smart move to do it. Because now we're going to get a Thrawn book by Timothy Zahn. How awesome is that? How much are you really going to use of your old stuff? And how much are you going to recreate or, or, or come up with new material? I mean, his, his Thrawn trilogy was so fantastic. How is he going to tackle that himself? You know, and maybe he will use a lot of stuff from the old Thrawn trilogy and make it canon. What's nice is that all the books that follow are going to respect it in a way that not every project did before the break. Uh, you know, whereas, you know, some could argue, well, we did have Timothy Zahn write a Thrawn book and it was great. And slowly, ever so slowly, it was retconned. I mean, you know, you think about the references to the Clone Wars and stuff. Well, that that changed when the Clone Wars changed. And, you know, other references to things would just slowly shift as we got more in the Clone Wars TV show. And it would, you know, we'd find, oh, well, that wasn't exactly the way Zahn thought it was going to be. Whereas now, once this book by Thrawn, uh, Thrawn by Zahn comes out, that's going to be the definitive story of the character, and they're yes. all going to treat it as such. And that I, I think that's something, like you said, that is a, a plus for all Star Wars storytelling. And the fact that that they one of the books I can't remember the name of it right now, but I think it's it's the aftermath book, Lucerno, right? He just wrote a book, and he's referencing Tarkin. huh Tarkin. He wrote Tarkin, right? And Dark Plagueis, yeah, and. Go ahead. So you, you know where I'm going with this, Glenn, that he just wrote a book, Tarkin, that I think is in canon, and Darth Plagueis is not in canon, but he references stuff from Plagueis, which is now, I guess, the stuff he references is canon, but that whole book is still not yeah. canon. I think, I think the reason that they had to throw Plagueis out of canon was because of all the references he made to so many other things that are legends, <laughs> and that he's he's like he he I, he much more things than I even recognize references to things that are in other books or or comics or whatever that I never read. But it was so laden with that that you couldn't put that book, keep that book into the canon because of all the other threads that came through it. So they had to sort of kick that out. And once you kick that out, you're basically you gotta just kick out everything, which is what they did. But I think that. There are some books like Plagueis is sort of a book that the main story of of what Hugo Damask you can sort of generally accept that something like that happened, but whereas 
you know, a book like Heir to the Empire, yeah, that didn't happen, sorry. Yeah, Sabath and the whole thing, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I think what I was going to try to get to earlier was that sort of the reason that they didn't make that clarification that this was not just a continuity and not canon was, was sort of marketing. And, and I had never looked this up, but in terms of when, when did Dark Horse get the rights to publish the Marvel and or decided they were going to publish the Marvel, and how did that coincide with the decision to make that official canon? Right. I mean, I think that that was, you know, it, it was all, they wanted to keep people thinking it was canon because it was official so they could sell more books. But if they had been more straightforward and, and you know, published, you know, the letters that got published in 1994, they published them again in 2004, and people saw that, hey, this isn't, you know, this is just this nice, great continuity, but it's not... George's continuity, and of course, I'm not sure how much you think this is that episode seven is George's continuity. I guess we're we're never going to know because they they threw uh, J.W. Rinzer's book to the curb. This is what we have. Padawans. I think you guys are more like the uh, prequel trilogy Padawans before the wars. You guys are so laid back. A new hope for our fandom. They're a new a new hope. So, are you guys pretty positive of the way the fandom's going? Let's just say that you know the thing for for the, the Padawans that when we brought. In episode seven, we had a huge number of you know kids and new people coming to Star Wars, and to think that you know, hey, there are sixty books that you really sort of kind of need to be familiar with, and I don't know, three hundred. I don't know how many Star Wars comic books there are. I think Mark might have a count. I have so many singles and trades and whatever. I have no idea, but you know, there's all it's this over three hundred and sixty-six. So I mean, there's all this stuff that nobody who's coming new could possibly sort of catch up on. Uh, so I think it's really, you know, refreshing that, you know, hey, if you want to read the books, there only are, uh, what are we at, six, seven? You know, I mean, the comics are kind of hard. Easier for people coming in to the fandom now because, and I think that they really needed that, and it's a really good refreshing, sort of, it's, it's a soft reboot sort of in that, that regard that, you know, there are these ideas that are out there that might come into play, and, you know, hey, now, now that Thrawn's in, in uh, Rebels, people will, you know, maybe we get, Enough people interested to buy the 20th anniversary edition of, uh, oh gosh, the second Throne book, Dark Force Rising. Th I think they're in the right direction. I think the thing that the thing that they're maybe confusing is throwing in these prequels. And I think that uh, you guys saw, did you guys see the Rogue One panel from, from England? No, no, we didn't okay. see it. Okay. Well, at the very beginning of that panel, how they started off, they started off with the opening crawl to A New Hope. And then they sort of dissolved it into the Rogue One panel. And I think that they sort of need to sort of do something kind of like that in a commercial to sort of say, hey, this is what this movie is about. Because so many people are going to go and even despite the commercials say, oh, it's a Star Wars movie. This is they're going to think it's episode eight and they're going to be like really confused as to like where Ray is and where, you know, people are. I, I think that's the only thing that they haven't really done great is with these, you know, they could... They could stagger it and have it not come out at the same month. So, you know, like the, the series movies are coming out in December and these off shoots are coming out in May or something, you know, to sort of help people differentiate them better. But uh, they'll hopefully pick that up by the time the Han Solo movie comes out. I think that's actually going to come out in May, isn't it? That's a little introduction of the show and the Padawans. So to recap, we are going to be talking on this show about mostly the Rebel show that's on XD, right? But we're also going to be talking some Freemaker episodes here and there, and basically anything that is pop culture that has to do with Star Wars. So if we buy a really nice action figure or something like that, we'll talk about that. 
definitely some of the things that are going to be coming up. Like, it was just announced that Hollywood is going to have a pop-up cantina. It's going to be an immersive Star Wars experience. And they're going to have Star Wars food, and they're going to people are going to be serving you in Star Wars costumes. And there's like a special coin, and you get a free mug, and we are going to be there. And so we'll go ahead yeah. and cover that for the show. Well, it sounds a lot like what they actually did at uh, Hollywood Studios uh, last year, for the last Star Wars uh, weekend's year, where they had... Uh, what normally is the uh, Adventure Outpost, the Indiana Jones restaurant. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, they had a part of it where they had, uh, I forget what they called it, but they had a lot of Star Wars-themed drinks and food, Jawas, and, and things roaming around. And that's where you got sort of the light-up uh, X-Wing and TIE Fighter and other things. And they had... And the Millennium you know, Darth, Falcon. Darth, mm -hmm. Darth, yeah, Falcon. And they had you know Darth Vader cupcakes and all this food and stuff. And I think that this is sort of... Maybe they're doing... Uh, and I've heard on like another podcast they're talking, this is... You know, this is it's got to be licensed. It's so it's so overly the top, straightforward. Saying this is Star Wars, not like space movie, you know. That it's got to be <laughs> Disney licensed, and therefore it's maybe that they're trying things out in advance for what's going to be at Star Wars Land. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. That's definitely what it is. And, they're they're, uh, they're trying out because these pop ups out here are very becoming very popular. Like I think. Most people know that when Kanye does a pop-up store, he just kind of like announces it on Twitter and it's going to be on this corner and they bring out gates and they put out, you know, just racks of things. And it's basically at a store that one day sells belts and now it's a pop-up. So I believe that this pop-up is going to be at different locations in Hollywood. It's not going to be at the same place. So we're going to find out. I, I have sent them out a email saying uh, that we would like to go ahead and cover that. And I haven't received any word yet back, but usually I do. And when I do, we'll go ahead and try to cover it that first night. But I did ask if it was going to have actually, like you mentioned, Glenn, the, the Vader cupcakes. I did ask if it was going to be the same food and beverages and kind of same stuff that was at Disneyland and at Disney World in Florida. And we'll see what they say. But from what the description is... They're talking about coins and uh, different things. So I, I'm not sure it's going to be the same. So we're going to cover that, uh, there, as well as, as other things that are coming up. Definitely celebration. So anything that has to do with Star Wars pop culture, with Star Wars on TV, we're going to cover it. And our Padawans are going to give their perspective. All right, everybody. Thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, we're happy to have this multi-generational podcast. I think one of the next episodes we'll talk about uh, past celebrations that we've gone to. Uh, Taylor was at the Anaheim one. I, I believe you guys both made it to the Anaheim as well. Uh, you know, some of the uh, opinions of, I know Taylor feels like at times she doesn't have an opinion. But like I told her, I said, you know, that's an opinion too. I mean, sometimes you just like, I don't care about Star Wars Legos. <laughs> It happens. Uh, that said, uh, thanks everyone for coming on the show. Glenn, a special thanks for being on the show as our guest. Uh, we'll have a category here soon, and we may even have our own little bumper page to that. Uh, you'll be able to find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you'll also be able to find all the other Second Airborne podcasts, again, at www.starwarsreports.com. Thanks, everybody, for coming on, and we got to have a really cool bumper for this, guys. A bumper? What the hell is that? A bumper sticker. Yeah. Oh, a bumper sticker? Yeah. No. A good bumper. We gotta have Yoda. Yoda's gotta do the truly wonderful. The mind of a child is. We. It's just it's just a perfect end with the theme music. 
Thanks again, guys. Thanks again, Glenn. We really appreciate you coming on. And it's an open invitation to when you want to come on and uh, give us some insight. And thanks again, Padawan. Bye. Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com.